0: Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today, I have the Professor.
1: Hello, DJ. How are you today?
0: Going good, going good. Is it me or the weather is getting a bit clammy?
1: Well, we're going into winter, so, you know, that thing kind of tends to happen.
0: Yeah, but then winter normally starts, like, the coldness starts around winter, you no? Know? But that, now it's getting, like, winter is sort of getting colder, and like it's not even winter yet. It's just near end of autumn.
1: Honestly, it kind of snuck up on me, too. Like, last week I went outside and I was like, why is the sun going down at 6? No, <laughs> at 5.30. I could have sworn last week it didn't go down until it was like 7.
0: <laughs> oh, I will say this: sleeping has has been tougher now late uh, with the cold and all. I like it. I uh, know you will. Anyways, uh, so let's start with the Oscars and the Razzies. Uh, so, the award season, the ha- award ceremonies happened uh, the other day. Uh, first, it was the Razzies, and uh, some of the winners are very interesting. Uh, the worst picture went to Absolute Proof, which is a documentary movie about. Uh, from a C- from the CEO of Pillow, Mr uh, Mr Mike Lindell and the movie is about ex- is about cl- is my exposé um exposing the baseless claims of election fraud-, fraud and the theft of America by enemies foreign and domestic
1: <laughs> Wow he makes it sound so dramatic <laughs>
0: At uh, the top trivia point on this movie, it says, One America News Network included the disclaimer for the film before it aired, and here's what it said. Mike James Lindell purchased the airtime for the broadcast of this program on One America Network. Mr. Lindell is the sole author and executive producer of this program and is solely and exclusively responsible for its content. The topic of this broadcast is the 2020 election. OAN has undertaken its own reporting on this topic. This program is not the product of OAN's reporting.
1: (laughs) Wow, so he's even too crazy for OAN. (laughs) Actually, I vaguely remember OAN might have gotten in trouble for uh, making unsubstantiated claims, so they might have had to do that for legal reasons. (laughs) <laughs> but kind of hard to believe that anyone's too crazy for One American News.
0: <laughs> so get, help me out here. So One American News, they're, so they're like Fox News?
1: Or? Fox News on steroids. Really? It's where you go when Fox News isn't crazy enough for you.
0: <laughs> it's oh, like you take
1: man. Fox News and Alex Jones and all of the crazy conspiracies, roll them up in a big ball, and that's One American News. <laughs> Damn.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so, the, so Mike Lindell also won the uh, best actor. The no, not best actor, worst actor of all. And the, and the funny part is, the judges really didn't like Lindell. With the Razzies website dubbing his film a two two hour fake news Suze fest. <laughs> um, the worst actress goes to Kate Hudson for her role in the in the Cedar. In the Sia-directed movie, A Music, and man, that w- that was a very controversial film. Even though it won Best, Picture, Best Motion Picture on the Golden Globes, it was heavily criticized for its portrayal of autism and c- casting a neurotypical person as someone
1: with autism. I can kind of understand why they pick someone who's not autistic, though. Like, it's kind of a thing about autism. You're not going to be the best actor.
0: Yeah, but but, uh, then it, but, but it just re- it takes away the whole like idea of okay because they're always. Because earlier in the years, everyone was clamoring for representation and stuff, and then we got the representation, and now...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does suck that it's not played by an autistic person, but at the same time, I don't think there's a lot of uh, autistic people who are in acting.
0: I, I mean, we could, uh, we could find someone, but then... Yeah, it, you're right, it is kind of like looking at the needle in a haystack on this. So, um... Moving along. So worst, worst supporting actress goes to Maddie Ziegler. Uh, actually,
1: yep. I did actually have a look. Um, apparently, Woody Allen is uh, possibly autistic. Dan Aykroyd, Tim Burton. Yeah. So, okay, there's people in... Uh, apparently, there's people in the movie industry who have a or or autism. Eh? Okay. I suppose, though, my, my first thought is, well, of course... Uh, person with Asperger's isn't going to act or a person with autism isn't going to act well in the movie role because of the limitations of the condition but on the other hand they are playing a character with autism so they could just play themselves yeah so you know i don't know the full context here though Fair enough. but i do see you know i do completely understand why people are unhappy about it yeah yeah i just felt like it's not a not an easy problem to solve but it might actually be easier than i thought
0: mm. i mean like i said it, it does it, it does uh create this whole confusion of the representation the d- debate on it but yeah um so worst supporting actress was to maddie Ziegler. she was the girl who who, who dances in a couple of cf um, music videos for those curious, uh, worst supporting actor goes
1: to Rudy Giuliani. So, one second. This uh, Sia movie, yeah, that's a movie directed by Sia. Yep, or is it a... okay,
0: it's directed by Sia.
1: So, it's not like it's her music video, though, it's an actual proper movie,
0: it's an actual full, blo- uh, full, gr- full blown
1: movie. Yeah, what has she done in movies before being a director? <laughs> I don't follow her, but I I've never heard of her in association with movies. So, you know, why would they think she could just immediately go out and direct the movie?
0: Like, uh, I'm looking at her at her uh, filmography, and she has okay, she basically wrote and performed songs on a couple of soundtracks. Her film roles are basically cameos, voice, documentary, uh, documentary narration, and that's it.
1: Uh, do you have any examples of? Those characters, though, anyone I might recognise.
0: Um, okay, let's see. For My Little Pony the movie, she was Songbird Serenade. Um, in the 2018 Peter Rabbit movie, she was Mrs. Tig- uh, Tiggy Winkle.
1: Okay, so yeah, she has been around, but not in anything that's like big. Yeah, Right. Like, all uh, all side characters and stuff.
0: Yeah, the side characters and voice, but then my like, biggest claim to fame would uh, would more be like. I mean, first, like, good honor, but <laughs> uh, anyway. So, uh, worst supporting actor goes to Rudy Giuliani, and uh his his performance in the Borat Two movie was
1: uh <laughs> Well, he's not performing though, is he? <laughs> like, he wasn't Borac really... <laughs> Just yeah. goes in and films people's responses to his uh, antics, doesn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Which also, uh, which also earned uh, Rudy Giuliani the um, worst screen combo. Uh, Rudy Giuliani and his pants zipper, where it where, the, where it's basically the part oh. where he's unknowingly filmed while in a compromising position in a hotel room with young with a young actress who's present, pretending to be a reporter. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Giuliani had denied any wrongdoing, calling the scene a complete fabrication. Uh, He says he was tucking his shirt in after taking off the recording equipment, as he claimed.
1: (laughs) Taking off the recording equipment in front of the actor who's filming you. Yeah. (laughs) Although, kind of surprised Rudy Giuliani didn't also get worse soundtrack. for The time he farted on live television ah uh,
0: no i don't want to be reminded no <laughs> no my, my mental image <laughs> uh so uh moving along so we'll see you got the worst director basically for that for that movie um like it, it got so bad apparently the an online petition was made called cancel the film um the film music which is which attracted 30,000 signatures and the per- Titian's creator said, As an autistic individual, I'm asking that the film is cancelled. It is extremely offensive to myself and other autistic individuals. Sia has shown no remorse for her inaccurate and hurtful betrayal of the community. Uh, Sia has defended the film, writing, This movie is a love letter to everyone who has ever felt they didn't have a voice in a post on Instagram when music was nominated for a Golden Globe. Okay, does she have
1: autism, though?
0: I don't... I don't think she has but I there hasn't been any evidence though. That's the that's the thing. No, I don't think she has autism.
1: Yeah. Um hmm I wonder what uh like what she thought she was getting into there.
0: <laughs> I think she was just like, "Oh, I felt uh, I, I felt like uh creating something and
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> She's got the lyric in my dreams my body does not control me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's not how autism works.
0: <laughs> oh, here's he, he, I was I'm looking through the production of the um uh, of the film in uh, on Wikipedia. Here's something interesting. So after creating the music video for a chandelier, you know that's love the guys the chandelier.
1: I'm quite Don't, happy you uh, might cut some of that out.
0: Check my <laughs> hearing. Okay, so in 2014, so she she had decided that she was pretty good at directing and felt a little braver.
1: <laughs> oh no. And don't, then, oh. don't just dive in. <laughs> Do a short film or something first. Do an <laughs> indie project. Don't just.
0: <laughs> and, then, uh, it, it, and then later on, she goes, she enjoyed the creative process and noted similarities between directing and writing songs, saying, for me, the process was basically I work out the movie. I'll act it out. I'll have the dialogue ready in my head. I can't be bothered to learn final draft. Like, when I sing, I just want to sing the melody and write the lyrics. I don't want to have to do production, which is very technical. I don't enjoy that.
1: (laughs) But half of the director's job is (laughs) to do production. Like, I know they have producers, but it's also the director's job. That's why we have the director's cut. <laughs> because the director isn't just getting it on film, they oh. also decide what goes and what doesn't.
0: Uh, and uh, here, it, here's another interesting fact She told Rolling Stone Australia, The making of the film was fun, but the editing portion actually made me sick. I had an illness and severe pain, and I couldn't seem to find the right editor, someone who understood the magic. I was trying to make happen. <laughs>
1: okay, she's starting to sound a bit like a diva.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. That, that why does it remind me of that? Um, the guy from the room. <laughs> oh yeah, Tommy Wiseau. That's the one. So after the, You're tearing
1: uh... me apart, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> You're tearing me. Apart. No. <laughs>
0: Oh god! Oh man! So uh, after the after the Razzies were uh, finished, the Oscars came along, and boy was wasn't that a show in itself? Uh, I don't know.
1: I wasn't watching like <laughs> most people.
0: I know. I know. I I had the unfortunate duty of looking at the highlights, and some of the highlights were just, eh, what the hell, man? Like uh, for example, awkward audience engagement. For example, so there was a. Fu- there were the big final three awards that were handed out at the end, which had been quite a serious event, so naturally it'd be a perfect time to ask for some improvised music based trivia. Uh, one comedian stalked the Hollywood Union Station A list venue seeking out contestants to guess the song's Oscar history. It led to a cringy karaoke moment with Andre Day, who was nominated for Best Actress for playing <laughs> Billie Holiday. <laughs>
1: Okay.
0: Oh uh, then, that in, then, in what some might say saved the night, Glenn Close proved Lil Ray wrong by showing off her impressive knowledge of of twerking.
1: Okay. <laughs> so apparently, that's bad.
0: Yeah, a seventy-four-year-old woman twerking. That's yeah, yeah. All right, buddy. Uh, what else was there? There was long. Well,
1: what about the viewership?
0: <laughs> I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Uh, there was also long speeches there and then there of was course,
1: also long speeches every year
0: <laughs> then there was an, then there was one about uh some actor thanking his parents for um giving him life in the acceptance speech but what what where someone were him quoting my mom and dad they had sex it's amazing I'm here do you know what i mean
1: <laughs> it would have cost him nothing <laughs>
0: And the and the biggest uh b- biggest uh fun part was uh Anthony Hopkins winning the uh, best actor award, but didn't d- didn't do the um the interview because uh the, the apparently the directors didn't want to do a Zoom call. But out of all that, out of all the stupidity that happened in the Oscars, results came out on uh, on the viewership. And it went down,
1: really, really down. I say, weren't they, like, not wearing masks? I remember they specifically said no masks or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think I, that's why I've heard so too, but I could be that wrong but
1: <laughs> which seems really silly you should be setting a good example people
0: oh yeah like, yeah
1: that's almost as cringy as when um kim kardashian's like i took my best friends to an island so we could pretend it's normal or uh the celebrity singing imagine
0: oh no like, oh, don't get me started on that shit
1: <laughs> do you want us to think you're all old and out of touch or not
0: <laughs> oh so uh here's here here are the numbers for you. So the numbers for this year's uh Oscars was 9.85 million viewers turned on to watch the show. And that's a drop from 13.75 million viewers that watched it last year.
1: Oh dear. I completely understand though. Nobody really saw any movies this year, so
0: I mean, I get that, but this is like last year, and uh, well, this year, it, this should be at their element. Like this, sh- it's to entertain people, not to berate people nowadays. Like, like now, like it, like it's no secret. Like the people have been struggling to get a job and making ends meet and stuff. But like, it's like.
1: Ah, there's no escapism anymore in the cinemas. Like, back then, like... Why would you want to watch the Oscars? Like, forget about the cinemas. Nothing came out last year anyway, so nobody went to see anything. But forget about the cinemas. Why would you want to watch hours of famous people getting awards? And you can read it all in one article in a couple of minutes the next morning.
0: Because back then, like before the internet, before the internet became a thing, we used to watch the Oscars as like, oh yeah, who would win the best a uh, best movie, best actor, yeah. and
1: stuff. And now you don't need to watch the Oscars; you can get it all in an article the next day.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, uh, here's uh, here's an interesting thing though. Back then, uh, the art. Uh, any film that was to win the best best picture was something that the hollywood directors and executives would pay attention to it was like a barometer to where the direction hollywood was going in a sense that's why people loved the oscars like there was always the fashion the glitz the glamour like betting on who would win and people new- don't care about that anymore yeah people don't care about it anymore because the because it was it's now Basically, believing it's every Oscars, it's now believing modern culture. More and more people are just using the time of the podium to pu- to push a political opinion and po- comment on a social issue of the day, and um, get cheap applause by saying this politician sucks. That's it. Well,
1: politics affects movies as well.
0: Yeah, it does affect movie movie as well. But then you don't have to like push it down to our damn throats, like like you're choking someone with 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 a piece of bread, going eat this piece of bread, <laughs> eat it. I want you to eat the bread and like it
1: because I say so. Yeah, I just don't care about the Oscars, and I think it's not that people don't like being preach to I think people just don't care about rich people getting awards oh yeah you know yeah. why would you watch the Oscars you're not connected to these people you're not gonna see your your nephew run up on stage and be like oh look it's little Jimmy <laughs> you're just gonna see some famous person who you have no connection to win an award for a yeah. movie that you didn't see because the cinemas have been closed all year <laughs> so why would anyone watch it <laughs> I don't think it's anything like that, like you think it is at all.
0: Yeah, uh, as I said, like back in the younger days, we used to love that shit. Now it's just yeah,
1: You're very we old just... DJ. I know, I know. That's <laughs> your problem. It's not the Oscars. It's you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, <Shani! laughs> remember that time? <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that their entire the entire industry is made up of, of uh, is made to entertain the paying customer, not to not to be berated, but. Not to be berated, not to berate people and how they live their lives, and tell them who to who, who, to, who to follow what, what group or condemn them. And now, it, famous
1: that, people like, have used their position as famous people to push agendas forever. Yeah, it's not. Oh. You think this is some new thing? It's not.
0: Oh, it's it's not a new thing. I agree. I, I agree with you there. But it's just now. It's just becoming more overt than. No, than, it's anything. not
1: becoming more overt. <laughs> it's been like this forever.
0: Uh, okay. H- uh, okay. We'll have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> How about that? But yeah, I just you hope know, like. Charlton
1: Heston is going on about people taking guns from his cold, dead hands <laughs> like a few decades ago.
0: He did say that in the middle of the Oscars, though, did he?
1: I don't think so.
0: No, he didn't, rather. actually. But if he did, it'd be hilarious. though.
1: I mean, like, look at, look okay, look at. It's, yeah, a slogan from 1976, performed by Charlton Heston in 2000. So that was 20 years ago. People, you know, celebrities getting up and making political statements. This isn't new.
0: Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is, like, you don't see, like, okay, me an example. Leonardo DiCaprio, how when he won the Oscar award for Best Actor, he kept on talking about climate change and how, it's a prevalent problem and stuff. Yet there he goes and he's flying in the uh, flying in the jet airliner.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit silly. That's
0: that's the th- that's the problem. It's like yeah, these celebrities are berating at us, going like, "Oh, we must think about then the berate Them and- DJ
1: berate <laughs> the, the celebrities. <laughs> if you're not happy about it, you go and fix it. <laughs> Yes,
0: I shall, with my wallet. <laughs> I shall vote with my wallet.
1: <laughs> you know what happened when the celebrities did the Imagine thing? Everybody <laughs> yeah. said, you're idiots. And you know what yeah. they did? They went away.
0: <laughs> there you go, point there. <laughs> but, yeah, I I, th- I think this, I hope they learn their lesson, but I doubt they will learn their lesson,
1: but. Only time will tell. Here we go. I found an article from Vogue, the 16 most political moments in Oscars history. Oh, yeah? Yeah, let's have a look. 1940. Um, 1940, first black actor to win an Oscar for supporting actress in Gone with the Wind. She't doesn't seem to have specifically said anything there. Uh, 1973, Marlon Brando invited a Native American to refuse his Best Actor award for The Godfather so that she could go up there and make a speech uh about the treatment of american indians in the film industry 1975 vietnam war protests so it's not new dj <laughs> you, you're acting like this is new but it's been going on for decades
0: <laughs> i, I mean, okay you got me there okay you got me there but i, I my point still stands it's just
1: uh, it's just losing that no it experience. doesn't you don't want to you don't want to listen to celebrities talk about political stuff don't listen to them <laughs> I will never listen to them. <laughs> Damn it. The Turn off the TV, go outside, and stop listening.
0: <laughs> oh. Anyways, um, so so uh moving on. So Professor, you've got a story about uh 505 games and how much drama they're they're in.
1: <laughs> well, they're in a little bit of trouble. Just a little bit. Have you played the game control?
0: Um I've seen i've seen the videos of it but i haven't played it no
1: oh it's made by remedy entertainment who are a finnish um developer actually we've spoken about their founders before who came from the demo scene okay well remedy's got a bit of a history of having issues with their publishers oh no <laughs> yeah Um, But the latest and the long parade of publisher issues is 505 Games. It seems to be coming from 505, not Remedy. And I really hope that it's 505 doing it, not Remedy, because I love Remedy's games. And I'd be really annoyed if Remedy are the ones doing the stuff around. But... Uh, a month or two ago, Humble Bundle had Control. Just the standard edition, no DLC. For that, uh, 505 released um, a special edition of the game. Apparently, the version available on Steam only had... Um, there was only, like, the Director's Cup version for the DLC, I think, because it was uh, an exclusive before it came to Steam. Uh, so I've now got it on Steam because it came up in Humble Bundle. Uh, what are they calling it now? Humble Choice? The monthly subscription where you get, you know, the five games uh, from a selection. Anyway, they 505 created a special standard edition, minus the DLCs, for this Humble Bundle release. Now, without any warning, they have decided to take the DLCs off the market, so you can no longer buy the DLCs to upgrade your copy of Control to the full Director's Cut edition. You have to buy the Director's Cut edition separately. No, yeah,
0: this is like the whole game preservation fiasco we had last week, didn't, didn't? isn't it?
1: Yeah. And this isn't the only thing that 505 have done that seems to be trying to sabotage the game. So there's a, a erratic comment by Batman the Merciless. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of marketing. Um, there was no free upgrade to next gen while the game was still actively supported. So the uh, second DLC hadn't even come out yet when they announced there would be no free upgrade to next-gen, which, you know, it takes work to upgrade to next-gen, but a lot of developers did anyway. They released a free next-gen patch because if they've released on PC, a lot of the functionality is already there. Uh, so no marketing have to pay f- extra for an upgrade and now making it difficult to buy the ultimate edition on steam so they basically invented the standard edition for humble monthly just so that they could not give you all the DLCs in humble monthly and then decided for some reason no you can't upgrade it why are they doing this
0: Less if they have something like a new, uh, new DLC and trying to limit the other DLC, just to go, okay, we're gonna combine every single no. one of these old DLCs.
1: There's no new DLC. The only no. way to get the DLC now is to buy Ultimate Edition.
0: Ah, uh, what about Steam? Can't they can't they buy can't you buy the separate ones through Steam as well? Or is it no? Just that's Ultimate? how they've
1: t- they've completely taken it off Steam. Uh, the only way to get the dlc now if you got it through humble monthly is to get it from the humble store and we don't know how long that's going to last um with any luck it will go forever but there's you know humble hasn't made any statement about it uh the 505 haven't so right now the only place to buy the standard edition and be able to upgrade the dlc is seems to be uh humble store or epic store
0: Mm. the only way
1: for humble monthly subscribers humble store it's one of those things that you know they're making it hard for no apparent good reason apart from greed maybe i do note i did pull up the uh control season pass on humble store just now to um grab a link for it it is on sale for 50 percent off right now uh the us of the month so uh, I don't see anything there saying that they um yeah I don't see anything there explaining the scenario situation but it is 50 percent off for the next three weeks
0: from a game developer standpoint how do you
1: see this I really want to know what's going on like is it 505 is it remedy the uh you know who's made this decision who who's behind it really
0: i mean it could i, I, I mean responsible think, oh sorry. sorry i i think normally it would go it would come down to the develop the uh publishers or the, yeah it would come down to the um the developers that would go like hey um yeah we kind of messed up all the publishers but like i would say 505 have would have to uh, uh, answer for this uh affront in a to, in a certain to a certain yeah zone. i
1: think it's probably 505's decision so I haven't seen any statement. Uh, I'd like to see a statement from them about why it happened. You know, if they came up with some bullshit, it's a licensing issue or something. I could understand that. But I can't understand why they're doing it and not making any public statement. There wasn't any warning that they do this. Uh, when Alan Wake was pulled from Steam for licensing issues. Fortunately, it came back again a few weeks later, but there's a lot of licensed music in Alan Wake. And I think that a couple of years back now, when the licensing expired, they took it down from the store. But before that, Remedy, uh, who published Alan Wake with Microsoft, made the decision to announce it and give everyone the chance to get the game Really cheaply for a week or two.
0: Yeah, I remember it was a yeah it came up, when it came out on Steam. It was a very uh, steal.
1: Oh yeah, it was cheap when I first launched on Steam as well. I yeah. if I remember correctly. I um yeah, it's been a been a while since I bought it on Steam though, so I don't remember why uh, what it was.
0: Do you reckon this is uh, all all in timing with uh, Control being released on the Nintendo Switch?
1: Um, I don't know. Is has it just come out on Switch at the moment?
0: Yeah, they said that uh, when, it, when, uh, when they, they I think they announced it a couple a couple of weeks back. that would they were actually yeah, it came out last year on Nintendo Switch on the like okay. 30th of October.
1: No, it's just a really wacky decision because it feels like they're taking the ability to pay for the content away from a bunch of people who have just got the base game and would be likely to pay for the DLC. So maybe uh, maybe they think people will buy the Ultimate Edition, but maybe they...
0: Um... I mean, let's be real, though. How many versions of Control are there right now? There's only... There's the the main the the only ver- there's only one version um uh, which is the which is the usual version then there's the ultimate edition then i i'm just looking at there is the control ultimate edition cloud version
1: okay i haven't heard of that is that uh where's that available
0: oh, that's on the switch mind you okay control ultimate
1: cloud edition
0: the ultimate edition cloud yeah
1: Oh, it's, um, no, Control Cloud Edition is like knockoff Stadia. <laughs> it's another, uh, so the Switch version of Control isn't even ported to Switch properly. It's actually just basically Stadia. So when you, um, you know, who's going to, Who's going to keep those servers up? <laughs> Are people who buy Control Cloud Edition going to lose access to it in another couple of years?
0: Yeah. Could you see the and this? Okay, this may sound a bit uh, doomsday, but could you see this happening with uh, future games in this the sort of level of marketing and stuff
1: well i definitely expect it from uh from 505 in the future i don't the interviews i've seen of people from remedy i don't think remedy uh into messing people around, the people at Remedy seem very passionate about their work and letting people enjoy it. And I think so. Either they've got better PR, or I am just picking up on this wrong.
0: I mean, we've seen game companies do this sort of behaviour like years for, for for years now. I mean, you look at EA for example, and PlayStation recently. What have they done? Uh, Was it uh, EA recently doing with the uh, loot boxes? And why are they forcing people to do
1: it? Oh, you mean EA, the publisher, forcing developers to put loopers in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Publishers have a lot of power, I think. Um, There's... Indie publishing, of course, but things a lot of developers partner with the publisher because the publisher pays their salary until the game gets released. It's just kind of the nature of being in a, an industry like this. You have to coast between releases on whatever you made from the release because most games sell the majority of their copies in the first couple of weeks after release. So once you've released the game, you then get a huge inflow of money. And need to develop another game and hope that it's successful. But uh, so remedy would partner with a with Five Oh Five in this case because Five Oh Five would be able to help guarantee some income for them. Mm. I think the solution, though, to publishers pulling dodgy deals like this is a publisher co-op. A group of developers would get together and form a a co-op or collective where revenue is split between the developers. But because there's a game coming out every month or so rather than a game every year or 18 months for a single developer, the revenue... uh, you know, there's less of a concern about where you're gonna get money from to fund development of your next next game.
0: Yeah, but aren't um like areas like uh, Steam and Epic Game Store, for example, are examples of a co-op in a sense?
1: No, Steam oh, and Epic Game Store are all very like Steam in particular seems very open to indie developers. Uh, Epic is interested in buying them out for exclusives, but before Epic, Steam had you know green light. Uh, to get indie games on the platform so steam made it easy for indie games to be self-published sure they take a cut from your sales on the platform but they're not they're not really doing anything other than distribution. Most ah, okay. of the advertising outside of the Steam store is your own. Um, whereas Epic Games seem to be buying indie developers exclusive games and then helping with the marketing. I mean, whereas keep- a what I'm thinking of in terms of the publisher co-op would be a publisher group of well, a group of developers publishing together, but would split the marketing and all of that across the whole team. And ideally, by having it in co-op format, the developers wouldn't be pressured to do things like microtransactions, because it's not just, you know, uh, make us more money or we end the contract. Hopefully, it would be able to work around that sort of thing. I'm not an expert in, you know, co-ops or anything, though. So I don't think I'd be able to pull that off.
0: So this whole thing, this is going to be very consequential to the game developer's world, in your opinion?
1: No. No? I think it's just another example of a publisher putting on some dodgy deal that, you know, this is bad PR for Remedy if they don't have anything to do with this it's just bad PR for them okay it makes them look bad because people don't think 505 when they see control they think Remedy since especially since control is tied into Alan Wake and uh Quantum Break
0: curiously how would um it, let's say with this publishing co- um co-op was to was to spring up how do you reckon it, do you, how do you reckon it will help the uh, games workers um, do, you reckon it will, do you reckon it will give them an advantage or disadvantage?
1: My utopian vision for that would be the games workers, you know, it would have to help the the games workers. Uh, they'd have to be, sort of my utopian vision would be requirements to minimize uh, crunch and other practices that harm your developers. Yeah. So that's sort of my utopian vision. Realistically, who knows what could happen?
0: Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's fair.
1: And ideally also having a a more equal distribution of power between, you know, rather than having a figurehead publisher, but a distribution of power between the uh, developers in the co-op. Ideally, that would be a way to make sure that no one's being ripped off. That's fair.
0: That's fair. So um, in the interest of time, we should move on. Um so finally, for our science topic, you've got a story about a black hole, which is a
1: unicorn. A teeny tiny unicorn. <laughs> it's a very small baby black hole.
0: Wait, when you say small baby, uh, teeny tiny baby black
1: hole, how small are we saying? Uh, I'll just stop check that. Get the, had the bloody page open, but now it's not loading. Three times the mass of the sun. Man, that's, uh... Pretty small for a black hole. And it's also the closest um, black hole to Earth. It's one and a half thousand light years away. The problem is black holes are hard to find. You can't, like, look at a black hole. You kind of got to look for the effects of the black hole. So in this case, they discovered it because they noticed an oddness in the uh, a fluctuation in another star.
0: Oh, that's going to be sc- That's scary, though, like when you see a, t- a black hole very close to Earth.
1: Well. Close is relative. Like, one and a half thousand light years is a pretty long way away. It's just close on a cosmic scale.
0: And if I recall, and if if my uh, astronomy knowledge is uh, rusty here, aren't black holes basically the death of a star?
1: Yeah, so when you gather enough mass in one spot, physics gets a bit wibbly and it forms what's referred to as a singularity. Basically, all of this mass concentrated in one spot is so much gravity, gravitational pull that even light can't go away from it. So it's, um, it is a potential ending for supermassive stars. Or in this case, uh, possibly a star that's not all that big. On the other hand, black holes do slowly evaporate. So they, uh, it could have been a very big black hole that's gotten smaller and just happens to be caught in, uh, in, a, in an orbit with this red giant.
0: They uh, said here that the nickname has a double meaning. Not only does the black hole candidate reside in the constellation Monoceros... Uh, it is it's incredibly low mass about three times that of the sun makes it one of a kind so the uh team leader th- 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 yeah th-
1: monoceros to be clear means the unicorn <laughs> yeah so they named it the unicorn because it's such a special black hole. And I just had to pull up an article and refresh my memory. So a black hole forms uh, inside a star. You can have tons of mass in a star, more mass than a black hole. So there are stars that are significantly bigger than this, but they don't turn into black holes at the moment because they are still stars. That's awkwardly worded, but um, the... So... The radiation, uh, radiation has a very small pressure. It's a tiny amount of pressure, um, but the reactions at the core of the star keep the outer layers of the star from collapsing in and forming the black hole by pressing it out. When the... Uh, star runs out of fuel and can't produce enough radiation to keep itself inflated anymore, it starts to collapse into a black hole.
0: I like how uh, Tharinda J. Singer, the the team leader, says, the star system is so unique, so weird, you know, it's definitely warranted the nickname, the unicorn.
1: Yeah, it's not often you find a a black hole that small orbiting a red giant. Ah. And that's how they notice it, because they saw the. tug of the black hole on the red giant. (laughs) So, you know, they could have completely missed it. If this was out in interstellar space, they might never have found it.
0: I'm surprised it hasn't sucked the sun, but... (laughs) It is. It's working on it. Yeah. So uh, they're saying here the unicorn has a companion, a bloated red giant star that's nearing the end of its life. Uh, The companion has been observed by a variety of instruments over the years, including the All-Sky Automated Survey, and NASA's transiting... Or exoplanet survey satellite. Uh, the red, the red lights, uh, the red giant's light sight in, in uh, shifts in intensity periodically, suggesting that another object is t- tugging on the star and changing its shape. They were yeah. determine. Oh, they determined that the object doing the tugging is likely a black hole. So.
1: Yeah. So what's interesting though is is this a, a captive black hole? Did it come from somewhere else and get gravitationally slingshotted over and then caught by, uh, by this star or vice versa? Uh, did the star come from somewhere else? Or did they naturally form as binary stars and then one collapsed into a black hole? Because mm-hmm. there's another case. There's a binary star where uh, one is a dwarf star and it sucks. like It's constantly sucking material away from the other star.
0: But then the but then a, a captive black hole wouldn't that if, if that was the case then like let's say for example the sun if that was a black hole if that turns into a black hole that wouldn't that be sucking a planets up
1: no we would not notice a difference if you replaced our sun with a black hole of equal mass the only thing that would happen is we'd get very cold and it would go dark. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we are right. in a stable orbit around the sun where, you know, apart from minor orbital effects, uh, allowing us to drift closer or further away, mostly further away, mm-hmm. the our orbit doesn't change on any significant, you know, human scale lifespan.
0: What's going to be interesting is now they've made this discovery, there's going to be so much more research on
1: this. Yeah, start looking into other stars to fluctuate. So the thing is that they already look at fluctuating stars looking for uh, planets. So if you're looking at a star and you notice that once every now and then it goes dim, you can uh, use that to infer that there's a planet there and then double check with other instruments and do other research and find out, you know, the planets that you can do a whole lot of really interesting research and find out what the planet's made out of, what gases are in its atmosphere, all sorts of cool stuff, just by looking at how it uh, how it looks when it transits a star. Mm. Which, of course, means it's difficult to spot planets that don't transit a star. But in this case, um, it's an explanation for any stars that dim but don't have an identified transiting planet. Uh, it could also spark some research into the physical limitations of black holes. How did this one form? How many others are out there that are the size? Where do they come from? Where do they go, Cotton Eye Joe?
0: (laughs) I'm going to be interested. It's going to be interesting interesting to see uh, maybe Christopher Nolan can make another black hole related movie like he did the last
1: time. Yeah, the last time was a very big black hole.
0: Uh, So anyways, we'll be back with our sponsors. And we'll be talking about uh, notable things, shout outs, famous birthdays, remembrances, and events of interest. So, Professor, what nerdful thing have you done? I watched uh,
1: season five of Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. it's I somehow missed it when it originally came out. And I think it's not as good as the first four seasons.
0: When did when did the new season came out? Uh, I'm not sure. 2019, I think.
1: Yeah. June 2019. Okay. So, unfortunately, the uh, writer has said that he doesn't think he'll do anymore. He's got other projects he wants to work on. And, um, yeah, you know, they're still interesting episodes. I just don't think they're up to the same level as the other seasons.
0: Oh. Uh- from what I'm seeing here, uh, he says that Brook, uh, Brooker has either... Uh, in 2016, Brooker has ideas. Uh, around January 2020, Brooker has announced a departure from the House Tomorrow. You're he, talking uh, about
1: Brooker, not Brooker.
0: It is Brooker. Is it? Yeah, it is Brooker. So Brooker and Jones have announced a departure from the uh, show's production company, Uh Oh, you're established-
1: right apparently it is brooker have yeah. i just mandala affected myself or have i just confused <laughs> myself yep probably confused myself
0: <laughs> so apparently brooker have uh in february 2020 they've established uh broken bones a new production company with having uh having a 50 stake on it and they've netflix have arranged a long-term <sighs> contract so it's so they're still in works but um yeah they're they're unable to produce new additional seasons until new agreements were put in place. So. Oh, okay. So they're and still. it doesn't sound like
1: he's working on something else now, so it might be a while. Yeah. Which is fine. It's uh, you know, probably strongest when it's not overdone. But I never felt like I did watching the other uh, seasons. A lot of the other seasons, they you know, go away really thinking about the technology. And I think that's one of the things that this season lost. It was more about the action than the impact of the technology. Okay. So there's three episodes. Uh, the weirdest one is the one where a guy used to cheat on his wife with his best friend. <laughs> Neither of them are gay, but in VR they happen to play a fighting game together and one of them plays a female character and then they're like, hey, you know what, let's, you know, get get busy. Um <laughs> But it doesn't, like, it's sort of got all the setup for an interesting exploration of, you know, relationship and identity and technology. But it kind of doesn't go anywhere with it. Um, I felt the same way about the third episode in the season, um, which happens to feature Miley Cyrus in her first acting role.
0: Huh, not first acting role, she's been in a lot of other things. Is it? Oh, yeah. well.
1: You know, apart from the... I suppose she was in the TV show then. Yeah, wasn't she? Um, I'm not sure where I saw that then, about it being her first acting role.
0: Oh, maybe after a while, maybe. uh...
1: Yeah, maybe in a while, because... um... She had that bit where she went all, um, all punk and all of that, which the episode sort of mirrored that. Um, so that episode's about a pop singer getting put into a coma by a manipulative, uh, um, manipulative agent who then uses AI to create a virtual version of her to continue raking in money. <laughs> like she was starting to, you know, move away from stardom. She didn't want to be famous anymore. Um And all of that, it actually ends with her getting rescued and going punk.
0: <laughs> it's like art imitating and, life.
1: Yeah, I feel like, you know, that was uh, another one. Good setup for the, you know, um, the technology. You know, if you can replace an artist with technology, what value is the art? Uh, what value is the artist as well? But my favorite episode this season was Smithereens, which is about a... Um, a guy taking a tech company worker hostage, he works for a social media company like Facebook or Twitter, and takes him hostage and wants to speak to the CEO so he can um, make his demands or um, so on. So he uh, has to do with the police, but while the police are trying to talk him down, the company... Uh, looking up his account and, you know, breaking into his account to read all these messages and stuff and uh, use that to build a profile of him that's more accurate than what the police and the FBI have. And again, it set it up and didn't use it as well. I think it did use it the best out of the episodes, but it kind of set up this, um, you know, who who are these tech companies? They have so much power. They know everything about... Um, A few years ago, there was a saying, Google knows more about you than your wife. (laughs) But, oh,
0: I heard that line before. That was scary.
1: Yeah. So, you know, these companies can know everything about you and acting as their own sort of arm of the law, the police and the FBI are talking to the this company and the companies, you know, going around them and interceding in ways that... The law enforcement aren't happy with because they're trying to stop, you know, make sure no one gets hurt. But the uh, so what jurisdiction does a tech company have on a hostage situation? And if this happened again in real life, could would police start going to the tech companies for advice? I know after the, uh, the San Bernardino shooting, the police went to Apple and said, can you unlock this phone for us so we can get evidence?
0: Oh, yeah, and Apple said no, and, oh, man, that was a big court battle.
1: I remember that. Yeah, yeah, there was a big court battle over that, and it's kind of like, you know, what um, does the company have the right to release it? Uh, Should they breach your privacy to work with the police?
0: Kind of like the whole uh, doctor-patient confidentiality argument, isn't it?
1: A little bit, yeah. I can kind of see where you're getting that thought. Yeah. So what's um, the... uh,
0: Biggest flaw you've encountered
1: in those episodes? Just that they set up an interesting scenario, but don't go anywhere with it. Like, I didn't come away feeling like I, you know, had a new appreciation for the technology, like I do after a lot of other episodes. So, um, one of my favourite episodes, uh, White Christmas. They use. Like make a complete copy of your brain and then interrogate that instead of interrogating you so that if the interrogation gets wrong or whatever, they can just, you know, reset you and, um, just start again. And that ties into another episode, Black Museum where a character is being, um, has a copy of his brain uploaded and tortured over and over again for people's entertainment. And, you know, I came away with this sort of, uh, like That's obviously fire in the future, but you know, it, about the ethics of that. Or uh, one of my other favorite episodes, Be Right Back. A character (laughs) dies in a car accident and his fiance or wife or whoever um, signs up for a service that analyzes his social media posts and creates an AI based on him.
0: (laughs) Tip, it it, it sounds like the style of every Japanese anime. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so, you know, it's obviously not the real husband, but, you know, does it matter? Does um how does a person interact with that how does it affect their grief it's that sort of that sort of thing is what i watch black mirror for and i don't feel like i got a lot of that in this season i still rate it three out of five because it's still you know good but it's not great and i wonder if maybe um charlie brooker is running out of ideas which you know, understandable. It's been five seasons and a movie, and it's hard to make a you know, hard for every episode to hit like that. But then again, this is the shortest season, and it's the only season where none of the episodes have really hit me like that.
0: It's hard to stay consistent when um, when you go that long. It's yeah. hard, yeah.
1: And you know, um, eventually you run out of things you can make a social commentary on without repeating yourself. Mm. Yeah. So, what have you been doing, DJ?
0: I've been reading the second chapter of Berserker, and man, uh, what a chapter! <laughs> so the story, so the second, uh, the second chapter is basically um, him talking about his past. Uh, he's talking about how uh, how he was created, basically, and it goes. So the backstory is basically he's part of a tribe that was uh, getting constantly pill- um, pillaged and robbed and. A um, couple of people getting murdered. So one couple of one couple have decided we need to fight back. We need to create a weapon. So they decide to do it by uh, by going into a ritual, and the ritual includes I kid you not her having sex with lightning.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: I could you not? That's what happened. It's like she? 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 She, she just had. <laughs> so she just got on the ritual where she just basically had sex with lightning, <laughs> and it got to the And so when the child was born, he just basically destroyed people from the get go. <laughs> uh, like he, like at one point, so they sent him to um, sent him to a teacher to uh focus his energy on a, um create a, a, to a useful out, outlet. But he killed the teacher. <laughs> but yeah, so the the climax comes to him, him him the boy facing a tribe of marauders and he just basically destroyed them in very graphic fashion. I Think I killed the professor.
1: No, I'm just thinking about um thinking about that. So is it like gory? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. It makes Quentin Tarantino's gory films look like a Saturday Kids
1: cartoon show. And is it still basically just um, Keanu Reeves self-insert fan fiction?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, in terms of pacing and the in terms of pacing, the fights, the fight scenes and stuff. Yeah, it does have that John Wick feel kind of thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it's just quick, violent, and extremely bloody. I mean, the pacing of it has been interesting. Like. Like, every now and then, like, in the middle of the story, there'll be, um, there'll be him chatting with the with the psychologist, and him, and the psychologist goes, like, oh, we need to get you some samples, and uh, we, we're grateful that you're doing this for us kind of thing. And he's, and Keanu Reeves is, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Ke, yeah, Keanu Reeves' uh, self-insert goes, uh, for centuries, you've been measuring me, taking samples, analyzing me, poking me, scanning me. I've been struck a thousand times.
1: Does he have a name?
0: Uh I don't think he has a name, no. I think it's
1: a Rianu
0: There we go. <laughs> Rianu Cre- <laughs> Keeves. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if, if you love the if you love the mindless blood splatter and the and the and Keanu Reeves and and crazy ways of how to create life, then uh yeah, chapter two is the one thing to go
1: with. Is it breathtaking? <laughs>
0: uh yes but not breathtaking as in watching avatar the mo- not watching uh, James Cameron's avatar breathtaking okay uh i would give this one um 4.5 lightnings out of five I mean 4.5 out of five <laughs> nerdy beaties, that is <laughs> man that lightning
1: <laughs> so I mean, uh, Einstein has a Ford experiment about riding a lightning beam but that's oh, yeah? uh, a bit different yeah <laughs>
0: So uh sorry, not a
1: lightning beam, a light beam.
0: Oh nice, nice,
1: nice. That's up my words now. Fair enough. Uh, Yes. Um
0: so uh onto our shoutouts. Uh so on the 22nd of twenty not 22nd. On the 27th of April, people named Josh met in the park in Lincoln, Nebraska to do battle for the right to their name. It started last year when John's Uh, John Josh Swine from Arizona messaged all the Josh Swains he could find to battle him. Only only two Josh Swains turned up, but the Arizona Swain (laughs) won the rock-paper-scissor battle against Omaha Swain. The rest of the Joshes began fighting it with pool noodles, with a four-year-old Josh Swain winning (laughs) and being named Little Josh, king of the Joshes.
1: Little Josh isn't a Josh Swain. Oh. He's just a Josh. So... The original battle was between the Josh Swains, but then it was uh, a free-for-all for all Joshes. <laughs> he,
0: he was awarded a Burger King crown, a champion's belt, and a trophy. Oh man, that has to be that be awesome! <laughs>
1: yeah, I hope you know it's a hell of a lot of fun, but I hope it doesn't become a spreader event.
0: <laughs> hey, we could
1: wipe out the entire population of Josh's in, you know, uh, just a few weeks.
0: Hey, 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 can you imagine the
1: professors? (laughs) Actually, I did get added to a group chat once um, called The University, and it was all people with usernames of Professor.
0: (laughs) Are you serious?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) How did that pan out?
1: Uh, No one ever actually really said anything there, so.
0: Oh, that sucks. Oh, can you imagine a DJ's? I oh, mean, like me having a rock paper scissors battle with David Guetta or some or, or some cringy DJ name. Like, who are you? I'm the DJ. I oh, know I
1: am the DJ. Well, surely you'd have to have like a what's the word? A spin battle or something like oh, the, yeah. the turntables and. <laughs>
0: Do you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of, um, you know, that infamous Spartacus scene? It's like, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. It's like, who's Josh? I'm the Josh. No, I'm the Josh. No, I am the Josh. I'm Josh and
1: so is my wife.
0: Oh, this will be funny as heck. Uh, But uh, moving along. So Australia remembered the Port Arthur massacre on the 28th of April. Uh, This year was the 25th anniversary of a gunman killing 35 people, mostly at the site of the former Port Arthur penal colony. 12 days later, the National Firearms Agreement came into effect, restricting ownership of automatic and semi-automatic guns and bringing new restrictions to obtaining a gun license. Over 1 million guns were returned and destroyed in an amnesty scheme. This was the last mass shooting involved the, involving the general public on such a scale in Australia, which now has half the overall gun ownership of the time following the attack. On a happier note, on the same day, a black rhino calf was revealed to to the public at the Western, Australian, uh, Western Plains Zoo in Dubbo. Sabi is seven weeks old and weighs 112 kilos. She was named after a flower from Zimbabwe, which blooms after droughts. There are an estimated 6,000 wild black rhinos, which is listed as critically endangered. Aww.
1: And it's adorable. I know. I wouldn't want it, like, jumping on my lap like a puppy, but... It's adorable. I can imagine when it jumps on your lap, you just go, "Oh my,
0: my thigh bone!" Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, if if it could make a good guard dog.
1: Oh, when they're um adults, they get rather uh rather unfriendly in some cases. So yeah,
0: but it'd be one heck of a way to get your house house guarded from anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, two ton guard dog. <laughs>
0: On the uh, 29th, uh, China launched the Tianhe module on the Long March 5B rocket. Long March 5B is China's largest carrier rocket. The module holds living quarters for three crew and will be part of the first permanent Chinese space station scheduled to be completed by the end of 2022. The USA vetoed China's involvement in the ISS, which led to China's individual space exploration efforts. Tianhe means Harmony of the Heavens and joins China's successful unmanned missions, which have been focused on lunar exploration. It kind of feels like China say, oh, no room for for China, huh? Well, fine, we'll make our own (laughs) space station with blackjack and hookers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's basically how it went.
0: (laughs) So on to our remembrances. On the 28th of April, 1994, Burton Roach committed suicide. Born Clarence Burton Roach uh, Jr., he was an American medical writer who wrote for The New Yorker for almost 50 years. He wrote 20 books, including Eleven Blue Men, The Incurable Wound, Feral, and The Medical Detectives. His work inspired the film Bigger Than Life and the show House. His books and articles are famous detective and mystery stories based on identifying rare diseases and medical conditions but he also wrote some suspense novels. He committed suicide five years after being diagnosed with emphysema. His wife said that he has been depressed. Yeah, that's a bad... That's a tragic way
1: to go. Yeah, he's a great writer too. Medical Detectives is just, like, genuinely a good read.
0: Yeah. Got any favourite chapters?
1: Um, not off the top of my head. Might be time for a reread.
0: Yeah. Um, on to our birthdays. On the same day in 1916... A famous tractor maker was born. Ferruccio Lamborghini founded his tractor company, Lamborghini Trattori, in 1948, but founded Automobili Lamborghini in 1963 after having negative experiences with Ferrari's after-sales support and build quality, citing frequent repairs, poor clutches, and secretive mechanics. He was also able to... Make triple uh, profits selling high-performance cars with the same components from his tractor business. He was born in Centro Ferrari Emilia Romagna.
1: I feel like he butchered every one of the Italian words. Yeah, <laughs> gotta wonder though. Um, the so he basically complained that you know he'd take his Ferrari up to the mechanics and they'd take it away and do what they do and back. Uh, I wonder like how he felt about right to repair. <laughs>
0: i think he would, be, he would be like yes do it damn it do it and i like how uh he tried to he, he tried to tell all of this to uh ferraris to enzo ferrari but then was dismissed by uh saying he was a notoriously pride-filled medina I'm like damn that's one way to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of kicking back advice
1: no, so um, Ferrari was the pride field guy. Oh. Lamborghini was like, hey, Ferrari, want some advice? And Ferrari's like, no, get lost." <laughs> so Lamborghini was like, right, I'm going to go and make my cars, and I'm going to do it better.
0: <laughs> oh, man. So uh, on to our events of interest. On the 28th of April, 1958, the vampire was released in Sweden. Dr. Matthew Campbell intervi- invents pills to help with the human mind but instead he come becomes extremely addicted to them he stops taking them and tries to warn his friend dr paul beecher about the pills but dies before he can dr beecher accidentally ingests some of these pills and unbeknownst to him they ter- they're turning him into a dangerous the creature the vampire happened to mirror the 1956 film the Werewolf both presenting sci-fi versions of famous supernatural creatures. But both films were produced by different companies. The director liked the name Dr. Paul Beecher so much, he used it again in his unrelated vampire film, The Return of Dracula. Man, talk about loving a name so much.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if he was, um, like, I've never seen these movies, but I wonder if he was, like, implying a connection there.
0: I doubt it, though, but it'd be pretty funny if he did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And on the same day in 1988, Clarabel C.B. C. Lansing was blown out of Aloha Airlines flight 243 when the fuselage tore apart mid-flight. Despite the caras- catastrophic damage, Clarabel was the only fatality. She had been standing in the area of the damage when the fuselage tore open while the other attendants were or in other parts of the aircraft, and passengers were belted in. Fortunately, the lower half of the fuselage held together long enough for the aircraft to land safely in Maui.
1: Oh man, I would hate to be in
0: that scenario.
1: Yeah, it must have been pretty hair-raising. Right? As I understand it, <laughs> they uh, couldn't be sure that the wheels had come down properly, so they had to fly do a flyby on the. Uh, airport but they didn't want to do a flyby because if the um turning around could rip the plane in half
0: yeah uh, it's, it's
1: pretty incredible they actually managed to pull off that land though and that you know the rest of the plane didn't break in half during the flight
0: yeah i remember one uh, i was looking looking at it and um they said it was uh, interesting the captain felt the aircraft roll to the left and right and the controllers went loose the first officer noticed, noticed pieces of grey insulation floating above the cabin. The cockpit door had broken away and the cap- captain could see blue sky where the first-class ceiling had been.
1: Yeah, not a, a great place to see the sky. <laughs> so imagine how much worse it would have been if it was raining. Oh, no. Like <laughs> they were already getting hypothermia from being at altitude, but it could have been so much worse.
0: Oh, even worse. Imagine if there was a lightning
1: storm with that rain. Oh, There's actually a really good article you should... Uh, the Man Who Rode the Thunder, I think? It's about a pilot who had to bail out into a thunderstorm. Oh, man. And the, uh, yeah, the updrafts caught his parachute and carried him along for hours, I think. Okay.
0: So uh, that's all we have for today. Um, where can they find us, Professor? I
1: don't know, this is your bit. Twitter (laughs) and Amalgamated. Facebook, Nerds Amalgamated. Anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, Have I missed anything? Uh,
0: They they can find us on Instagram. They can also find us on where We're an archive of our old episodes. And they can also find us some uh, new That's Not Canon podcasts, such as uh, African Storytelling. Uh, It's by... i want to butcher this name so badly. Liene Marie D- Daini, uh, who's brought uh, her super charming storytelling podcast, Giraffe Eggs and Other African Tales. And it's basically recalling African legends, myths, folk, and fairy tales, both in English and in French.
1: Ooh. Sounds pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And they can also uh, find us on YouTube. Though, even though we have one video, uh, we'll be making some more... Um, youtube content as as soon as we can but uh anyways that's all i have for this
1: week it's time for me to go away now look after yourself stay hydrated and we'll see you next time